0: is Taking Possession, and we are in the midst of a series with that same title, Taking Possession. And uh, let me just uh, grab my Bible and also remind you of the Bible study we have coming up in March called Give Me This Mountain, which goes with our theme for the year of Taking Possession, and that is a quote from one of my heroes in the Scriptures, Caleb. Uh, And this is a a Bible study on uh, taking possession what belongs to you what God has given to you in Christ it says faith to go from barely thriving excuse me barely surviving to actually thriving and it's uh, by Joseph Prince we'll be starting that on March 2nd so grab grab your copy now and uh, it'll be awesome you can go online to find out the schedule for that to our website at highwaychurch.us but we are taking possession of the father's plan purpose and provision for our lives in 2022 I mean we may as well go all the way with Christ Right? We may as well just jump in Do the nest tea plunge And, 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 and jump in the, in the water And go all the way with Jesus He has a destiny for our lives Man didn't create us Man's never going to fully understand you But God created you And he fully understands you and he's, and he's completely for you So we just may as well run with him Right? We may as well live for him We've learned in our series that the Bible is God's will and testament that reveals to us our inheritance. And it's so important to spend time in your hard copy Bible. I mean, just just make a point to, to not let a day go by without eating something from your Bible, okay? There's plenty of fresh hot life in here. But find a promise in the Word of God. The email I sent out yesterday, I said, you know, worship the Lord before you go to bed this evening and and go to sleep with a promise in your heart and mind. Take a promise before you go to bed. Best sleeping pill you ever take, right? He grants peace to his beloved, right? He gives sleep to his beloved, right? That's a great promise right there from Proverbs. But you take a promise before you go to bed. Take a promise when you get up. Take a promise in the middle of the day. It's God's medicine. Hallelujah. So his, his inheritance, what he's given to us through Christ, all that God has done for us for his son is revealed to us in the scriptures. Okay? But even though it's in there, we can miss it if we don't pursue it. We've got to determine to know him intimately. More, he's got to become our, our focus in life. He's got to become the target of each and every day. And Jesus said it this way, he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. I think it's the message translation that says, steep your lives in God reality, God initiative, and God provision. And that's what we do at Highway Church. We're steeping ourselves in everything the Father has said, every promise that he's made. So in our hard copy Bible, we don't just read it for the sake of reading it, we read it looking for two things. The, the will and the promises of God. God has revealed his will to us. How? Through his son, Jesus Christ. We can see that clearly in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And he's also revealed it to us through his promises. So those are the two things we look for as we're reading the scriptures. Whether we're in Genesis. or or Malachi or Philippians, wherever we're at, we're looking for the person of Christ revealed in the Scriptures, and we're looking for the promises of God. Those two things reveal to us our inheritance. They reveal to us what God the Father accomplished for us through the finished work of His Son. And those things are for us today that we might live the abundant life Christ came to give us. Okay? But you've got to hear about these things. You've got to believe them and act on them. So in order for us to possess our inheritance, we need to hear someone tell us about them. And I think you telling yourself is the best preacher there can be. To just go through the scriptures and when you come across a promise of God that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, where's that in the Bible? Philippians, yeah, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I think, right? I can do all things through Christ. One translation says, who infuses me with strength, right? Then you grab a hold of that. That's for you today. And you meditate on that. You grab a hold of it. And you tell yourself that out loud. Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself every day throughout the day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I don't feel like I can do all things. It's not about how we feel. It's about what he said. Your whole life will begin to change when you realize that what he said is greater than the way we may currently feel, right? So I've got to hear about it, and you are the best preacher to hear it from. So tell yourself what God has done for you. That's why the psalmist says, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. Preach to yourself every day. Preach to yourself. You have your own church service. Just get alone with the word of God and find two or three promises and preach them to yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. Where's that one at? Philippians 4 as well, right? Verse 19, the Lord is my strength and my soul. The Lord is the strength of my life. Hallelujah, he is my salvation. And, and say that to yourself and believe that it's true for you. So in order for us to take possession of the finished work of Christ, of what God has provided for us through his son, we've got to hear about it. We've got to believe it and we've got to act on it. We've also been talking about in this series that there are two realms of existence. And boy, this is so important because it can be really confusing if you don't understand this. There are two realms of existence happening simultaneously in the earth. Okay, 24-7. There's the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And if you're not used to it, that can sound like a science fiction movie. Or it can sound like a New Age philosophy, but actually the Bible has a lot to say about the realm of the Spirit. When you see something like heavenly places or kingdom of God, there the Bible is talking about the realm of the Spirit. Okay, So the Spirit realm and the natural realm, your inheritance, all of the provision of God for your life is in the realm of the Spirit. Very important to understand that. You can't see it with your natural eyes. You can't touch it with your hands. It's in the realm of the Spirit. And I, I shared with you a definition of faith from uh, Noah Webster's 1628, 1828 Dictionary, First American Dictionary. and the etymology of the Word, he talks about faith being like a rope. So in other words, when I read through the Scriptures and I learn that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then I meditate on that, and I believe that, my faith grabs a hold of a spiritual truth and brings that spiritual truth into my natural reality. That's what faith does. If we have the ability to live in both realms at the same time, we have the ability to take from the spirit realm and bring it into the natural realm. Jesus was doing that His whole ministry. He was a channel from the spirit realm into the natural you're a conduit from the kingdom of God, from the realm of the spirit into the natural realm. And it's important to understand that the natural realm we know very well. No one has to really teach us about that because our senses are in contact with it all the time. We've been well-schooled and educated in our five senses and in the realm of the natural realm. Right? So the natural realm is anything that we can detect with our five senses and our natural reasoning. But the spirit realm, and this is so important, can only be clearly understood, consistently accessed, and experienced by the Word of God, faith in the Word of God, okay? There's no other way to do it. You might have an experience where you experience something from God, but to consistently walk in the spirit, to consistently experience his provision for your life, you've got to know what he said about you. You've got to know what he's declared in his word about you, what he's done for you through his son. And the the place that you're going to find that is in the scriptures, in your hard copy Bible. Okay? So the Bible is a spiritual book. It really is not a natural book. It's not a history book. Um, It is is the word of God. Now, you could treat it as a natural book. You could treat it as a history book because its history is very accurate. But it, it is a spiritual book. It's the word of God. So in order to take possession, what do I mean by taking possession? Let me say it this way. In order to experience our inheritance, in order to experience the freedom, the love, the joy, the peace, the strength of Jesus Christ, the provision of God, I must become spiritually minded. And that can be challenging if I'm used to naturally uh, figuring things out. So how do I become spiritually minded? Well, I learn what God has said. I believe it and I act on it. That's it. I meditate in the word of God. And you will find inevitably as you do that, that what God says will will seem impossible or it'll seem like there's no way that could ever happen. That's just your natural mind. But with God, all things are possible. And you'll learn that as you meditate in the Word. Your spirit will be jumping up and down, but your mind might be saying, "Eh, no way, right? That's all right. We need to renew our mind. So our spirit is alive to God. When you become born again, your spirit's alive to God. Your mind, your natural mind is not, and your mortal body is not. So we need to renew our, our natural mind with the Word of God, and we keep our body in subjection to our spirit by believing the Word. Speaking with our mouth and acting upon it, right? Believing it in our heart. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. This is so powerful. So, we are, we are going to be spiritually minded in 2022 and 2023, and then we'll stop in 2024. We'll no, we're going to be spiritually minded for the rest of our lives. This is not a, a temporary thing, this is a conversion. It's a permanent change. Now it doesn't all happen at once, but it's a process. We re- re- the renewing of the mind. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter two. We'll start in verse twelve. It says now we have received not the spirit of the world. Aren't you glad, right? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know our inheritance. The things that are freely given to us of God. That's what our inheritance is, right? That we might know. God wants you to know exactly what belongs to you in Him. He doesn't want there to be any doubt in your mind. So He's given us His Spirit to teach us what belongs to us. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. That's important to understand but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Hallelujah. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we are all about spirituality. Now, there is, there is dark spirituality, which is spirituality apart from the Word of God, apart from Christ. That's not, we're not about that. We're about true spirituality, life-producing spirituality, that is through Jesus Christ, all right? So don't be afraid of the word Spiritual. It's a good word, right? There's, but understand, we're not talking about uh, mediums and, uh, you know, tarot cards and things like that. We're talking about knowing Christ and following Him. But the natural man, now listen to verse fourteen. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Isn't that something? The very thing that could set someone free is foolishness to them if they're natural-minded. There are a lot of Christians that think a lot of things in the Bible are foolish. And, and you, can, you can find out about that as you start believing the whole Bible. You will be criticized for it. But it's the Word of God anyway, right? The natural man. So a natural-minded Christian has, has a very difficult time with the Bible, And a very difficult time with the fullness of the gospel and the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues and all of those things because it just seems like foolishness. And I get that. I get that. I understand that. But we want to be spiritually minded because God is a spirit and there's nothing foolish about him. Would you agree? So isn't that interesting that just by being naturally minded, God would seem foolish to us. Wow. I mean, he's never made a mistake. He's perfect in all his ways, yet I could look at him and his word is foolish if I'm naturally minded. That kind of makes me say, yeah, I don't want to do that, right? Because he's he's the one I need, not the one I want to turn away from. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man." Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. When you're spiritual, you're just following God. And they can criticize you and think you're a fool, but that's all right. God's for you. And that's going to happen, you know, when you follow God, when you learn the promises and start applying them to your life, you're going to get criticized uh, by other believers. Sure, you're going to, you know, they just haven't haven't seen what you've seen in the Word and they don't understand because they're more naturally minded, but that's okay. We love them. And we pray for them, but we're going to follow God, right? We're going to keep uh, embracing everything he said and done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So God's word is spiritual. It's of the spirit. It's of the spirit realm. And it gives us light to see and understand our inheritance, to see and understand spiritual truths spiritual realities, and enables us to grab a hold of them and bring them from the realm of the Spirit into this natural realm. And you know the realm of the Spirit is not far away. It's right here. You're in it, whether you realize it or not. All that God has provided for you is not up on a mountain somewhere. It's right here. In fact, Romans 10 says it's in your mouth and in your heart. It's as close as your mouth and your heart. You can instantly access the realm of the Spirit by faith. You can instantly declare by his stripes I'm healed. You can instantly declare that all my needs are met according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's take a look at this in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I've always loved this psalm. It's the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible. Very powerful. Psalm 119. Let's go all the way to verse 130. Verse one thirty. So the word of God is spiritual, and it gives us light to see and understand spiritual realities. Psalm one nineteen, verse one thirty says, "The entrance of your words gives light." You're going to see that a lot in the Bible. Light. Jesus said, "I'm the light of the world." Um, there's a what's the verse I'm thinking of? Uh, in your light, we see light. In in Psalms, there are many verses about light. What does that mean? The Bible uses the word light to often indicate understanding or revelation. Okay? So the entrance of your word gives understanding or revelation. It gives understanding to the simple. Very important. Now, I said something last, in part two, last week of this series that says probably one of the most important things you'll ever hear is the difference between revelation knowledge and sense knowledge. And this is where the rubber meets the road, okay? If you've been born again, that means the Spirit of God lives in you, and when you read the Word of God, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean that He's going to speak to you audibly like I am, but in your heart there will be words that leap up off the page to you. That's the Holy Spirit bringing light into, your, into your, your mind and your understanding. That's called a revelation. It's not a, a weird word. It's, it, it's a revealing. It's, it's a, a disclosing, an opening up of truth. It's like the veil's being taken away, okay? And you'll find that happen regularly if you read the Bible by faith in Jesus Christ. So every time you open that Bible, you're putting your faith in Christ, you're putting your faith in the Holy Spirit living in you, and you're reading the Bible by faith. You're not trying to, to, to be an expert and know everything. You're just you're fellowshiping with God, and you're letting Him speak to you. I don't know everything in the Bible. It's a big book. It's a big book that covers uh, thousands of years. But when I read the Bible, I'm not trying to know everything. I'm simply, I'm simply wanting to fellowship with God. I'm wanting him to illuminate Christ to me. So no matter where I'm at in the Bible, I'm I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to bring Christ out on that page and to illuminate the promises to me. And when that happens, that brings light to me. It brings understanding. It brings revelation. That's revelation knowledge. That's how we were originally created to live, that what God said we would live by. This is before the fall, okay? Okay. We were created to fellowship with God through simple faith in his word. That when he speaks, we act on it. We we fellowship it. We believe it. We worship him. He and we're one with him. Now, what did the devil come against to take us out of that state of spirituality? He came against God's character and God's word, right? The first thing he said is, did God really say, right? He came against the word of God. He still does the same thing today. He'll come against the Word of God. Well, you don't know that this is really true. I mean, come on, look at this, button. Look at this verse and look at that verse. And come on. And he'll do that. You want to, be a, you want to rightly divide the Word of God and study the Scriptures. And I say, I say it regularly. You don't want to believe something just because I say it or any other pastor or minister. You want to get in the Scriptures for yourself. But get in the Scriptures and say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. You teach me about Jesus. You open my eyes. So the devil come, comes against the word. Why? Because that's where the life is. So Adam uh, believed what Satan had told him, and, and he, he began to serve Satan, and he separated himself from God, and he went from revelation knowledge to sense knowledge. And that's where man is today, apart from Christ. So man is left to just try and figure things out for themselves. God wants to open their eyes but we have to choose to come to him. We have to choose we have to give him our eyes and say Jesus you are the light of the world and I, uh, show yourself to me I give my whole person to you be the lord of my life right? So the entrance of God's Word brings light. We want to live by revelation knowledge. We've been redeemed from the fallen state of Adam. We've been brought back into union with the Father. His very Spirit is in us now. We want to live our lives based on what He said, not on what our our own senses have trained us to think. Okay? And this takes time, and this can can, uh, be challenging to your flesh. Because your flesh wants to do its own thing, right? So revelation takes place when the eyes of our heart are opened by the Spirit of God to see a truth we could not see in any other way. And if you've been reading the Bible, if you're born again, you know what I'm talking about. It comes alive to you. It just leaps off the page. Not not every single thing you read is going to leap up off the page, but I guarantee you, if you'll read it by faith and get alone with the Lord, something will come up off that page and the Lord will give you a revelation, an understanding of a spiritual truth that you couldn't receive in any other way. This is fellowshipping with God. Don't go through your life without doing this regularly. This is where life is. Intimacy with the one who made you. Okay? Hallelujah. Now, John 6, 63, speaking of God's word bringing light or understanding or revelation, John 6, 63 says this. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking about the realm of the spirit. He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, that's King James, forgives life. It's the spirit that gives life or the spirit realm. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you've ever tried to do a spiritual battle with your flesh, it is exhausting. Woo! It is exhausting. It, it doesn't work. The flesh cannot operate in the realm of the spirit. When you're relying on your own reasoning, and you're trying to battle things in your life, it is exhausting, right? But it's the spirit, that's where the, the, the realm of the spirit is is where the power and the victory is. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. This is a spirit book. This is all about the realm of the spirit. Remember, the realm of the spirit now is, is who you are. You're a spirit being. You're born again. And that's, that's the realm you're from. That's the realm you reign in and you operate in. And you reign over the natural realm as well. Hallelujah. So learning to walk in the realm of the Spirit is what we're doing in 2022. God's Word gives us clear direction in the Spirit realm. And the only, it's the only way to consistently, as I said before, to consistently have clear direction, spiritual direction in your life. That's where we looked at Hebrews 4.12. Previously, we're not going to go there again, but it says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 now. If you have to wake yourself up, this is more of a, a teaching morning, but stay awake. And you, you, you understand how this works. This, is, this whole church operates by revelation. It's all by revelation. In fact, not too long ago, I was I was uh, battling some discouragement in my life. It was a Saturday night before a Sunday morning, and I was just worshiping the Lord. I wasn't even expecting Him to say anything to me, but He said to me, "It's important what you're doing." Kind of caught me off guard. It's important what you're doing in that warehouse. And I needed to hear that. I didn't know I needed to hear that. But he knew I needed to hear it. And it's wonderful when the Father will speak to you because when he speaks to you, it's just what you need to hear. But I want you to understand what we're doing here is important. You can't get this at at, uh, Macy's. You can't get this at Pizza Hut or at Walgreens. This This is the church. This is a spiritual reality where God has, has given us apostles, pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers to build us up in the Word of God so that we can take possession of who we are in Christ and live in our inheritance. So value what you have here. It's very important. This is a spiritual strengthening, a spiritual reality. And, and so how does this work? So we come, we worship God. And you know, when we're worshiping God, that's a preparation of our own hearts. It's an awakening of our own consciousness. It's a, it, we're, we're telling our soul to, to look up, to, realize, to worship the one who made you. Worship is not for his benefit, it's for ours, right? And that prepares our hearts to receive the word. You can come in here kind of frazzled, but if you'll enter into worship and just sing to him and let the Holy Spirit comfort you, it's amazing the transformation that can happen right here in this warehouse. Your whole life can be turned around if you open your heart to him and then he brings his word so this is how the body of Christ works this fivefold ministry gifts our job is to pursue him to, 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 to stay intimate with Him and to follow His calling on our lives and to bring revelation to you when we gather for worship that will strengthen and encourage you. But you've got to make note of that, right? The Lord speaks to you. Write that down or put, type it into your phone or, or snap a shot of the Scriptures. And then when you go home on Sunday and throughout that week, you eat those things. You meditate on those things. That's called participating in church, right? There's nothing about being a spectator here. So you grab the food that's given to you and it doesn't spoil. You don't have to put it in a Tupperware. Put it in your heart. It'll stay there forever. But there will be times when we gather where the Holy Spirit will just, ooh, something will be said and you know, okay, I, I need that. You grab a hold of that. And don't let anything take that out of your heart because Satan will try. He'll try and steal that word from you because that's where your victory is. So I, I, I'm expecting... Uh, you to fully participate let's fully participate grab a hold of the word of God this is very important what we're doing now Hebrews 11 opens our eyes to this realm even more very first verse verse 1 now prior to that it's talking about those who believed God in their lives and then it's called the hall of faith right you read through hebrews 11 it's talking about those who believed what god said those who put their faith in the word of god so verse 1 says now faith faith in what in what god has said faith in the word of god faith in who he is right faith in the word of god is the assurance this is the amplified translation it's the confirmation it's the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, spirit realm, okay? And the conviction of the reality. So faith in the Word of God is proof to us of what's ours in the spirit realm. It's proof to us. It's the evidence, one translation says. It's it's the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Man, that's big. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So we are spirit believers, right? Not sense believers. Our, our, our whole uh, foundation that we operate from is from what God has said, right? Hallelujah. So faith in the Word of God enables us... Uh, well, let's, let's keep reading. Verse 2. For by it, faith in the word of God, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand. I love the way that. That's just so true. That's revelation. That's and I remember, and I, I do this regularly, but the very first time I, I, someone gave me a Bible, before I opened it, I said, I said, God, show yourself to me before I ever read it. We're we're, we're participating with God as we read the Bible, right? Hallelujah. By faith we understand, by faith in the Word of God, okay? Not faith that God exists. That's not going to help you. Faith in the Word of God. Did you hear what I said? Believing God exists won't help you. Why? Because that's obvious. It's the most obvious of all realities, His existence. I'll get to that in a moment. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There it is, spirit realm, natural realm. You see that? The things that are seen, natural realm, were not made of things which are visible. There's a spirit realm. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Notice it doesn't go back to Adam because Adam didn't believe. Adam Adam separated himself from God, so we'll start with Abel, his son. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he, did, he was transported directly into, into heaven. So that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him without faith in his word. Right? Now that's important to us because we want to please God. But if I'm not putting my faith in His Word, I can't please Him. I can do a thousand good deeds a day, but it doesn't please Him. What pleases God? Faith in His Word. Boy, we just hit a, hit a gusher right there. There are times in your ministry, you say, okay, the Holy Spirit says stop right there. It's faith in the Word of God that pleases Him. Well, doesn't that please a parent when their child believes them? Right? It would be troubling to a parent if their child didn't believe them. Wouldn't it? Say, oh, no. Why, why doesn't my child trust me? What happened? Right? Who, who got in there? So, somehow someone told them something about me that's not true, and now they don't trust me. How'd that happen? So it pleases God when we take him at his word. For he who comes to God must believe, the accurate translation here should say that he is. Some, some English translation, right, exists. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. Believes that he is. In other words, believes that he is who he says he is. That he is the I am. That he is the Lord your provider. That he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord your peace. That he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord your righteousness. That he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. That's what it's talking about. Believing in who he is and what He's done for you, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So if I don't believe that He is who He says He is, if I don't believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, if I don't put my faith in His Word, I can't please Him. So believing that God exists, let me hit that real quick, doesn't help you. Why doesn't help it help you? Well, does knowing that this is a smartphone help you at all? Yeah, Well, it's mine. You can't use mine anyway. So, right? But, you know, knowing, knowing the reality that something exists doesn't help you. You have, to, you have to understand what this is. Right? You have to know how to access it. Right? In fact, I have a lock screen. You can't get in unless you, you've got my peepers. It's got a face ID, Right? So but you've got to know you've got to understand how to use this. But I guarantee you 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 can ask me a lot of questions about my smartphone and here's me and Jennifer there on the front. <laughs> but there's one question you would never ask me about this phone. You might say, "Okay, what's the operating system? What's the what's the uh, what apps do you have on it? What can I do this with it? Can I do that with it? You know, uh how do I what settings? Yeah. What per, you know, how what how should I uh set this up so it's most beneficial to me and what I do or whatever. But there's one thing you'll never ask me about this is, did someone make that? <laughs> did someone make that phone? If you asked me that, I would be very confused. I'd say, what, what What'd you say? <laughs> did someone make your phone? I wouldn't know what to say, right? Why, why would that be a dumb question? There are such a thing as dumb questions, right? <laughs> Why would that be a dumb question? It's obvious, right? It's obvious that this was created by somebody, right? What tells us that? It's designed. There's no, no one in the world would ever ask, did someone make this? No one in the world would ever ask, did someone make this? No one in the world would ever ask, did someone create this? Why? We look at things, we see they have a design. Right? The existence of God couldn't be more obvious. It is the most obvious of all realities. Okay? Just look in the mirror. That is uh, all the proof you need for the existence of God. Look at the detail of who you are. That is, that, is, that is evidence, undeniable evidence of the existence of God. But that doesn't help you knowing that He exists. What changes your life is knowing Him personally understanding what he's given to you in his word, learning what he's done for you through Christ, hearing it, believing it, and acting on it. Do you see that? All right? So many Christians have been lowered into arguments about the existence of God, and that's silly. Why would I, why would I argue that someone made my phone? Yes, someone really did make this. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. I can prove it. No, they didn't. That would be silly. That would be a futile argument, wouldn't it? We're never to argue about the existence of God. That's natural reasoning, right? The reason someone may not believe God exists is not because of the lack of evidence. It's simply their mind has been blinded spiritually, okay? That's all that is. So what are, what are we to argue? The goodness of God, right? His nature is not obvious because we're living in a fallen world. You understand that? So you can look in the world and be very confused, say, why are all these bad things happening? If, if God is real and if God is good. So we, have to, we do have to study and learn the nature of God through Jesus Christ. And then when you realize, oh, wait a minute, Satan's the god of this world, Christ came to defeat him and give us victory over him, you start to understand how all this works. But faith in who he is is what the Bible exhorts us in, not faith that he exists. Nowhere does the Bible ever try and prove that God exists, nor do you ever have to try and prove that, okay? No more than you have to prove that your phone was made by somebody, okay? Hallelujah. So we're going to now look at some examples, and we'll see how far we get today. We'll at least get to one, of people in history that, were, that are recorded in the Bible that believed God's word in the midst of contrary circumstances and took possession of what he provided for them. I love doing this. It is one of my favorite hobbies in pastimes. Is See, God has given us examples of real-life people in here so that we can be encouraged by reading them. And this book is full of real-life people who believed God and did the impossible. And you're one of those people. They just haven't written it in my Bible yet. But God's writing it down. There's going to be addendums and new books when we get to heaven and and you're going to be in there. I want to be on the pages of that book for believing God in the face of contrary circumstances. Not going with what man says. Not going with my sense knowledge but acting on the revelation knowledge of Christ. So let's do it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. uh, Excuse me, 2 Kings in the Old Testament. Let's start in the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 6 and we're going to look at Elijah's student who took uh, Elijah's place. His name is Elisha. Okay, Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. Very powerful. Now, you understand that Elisha lived, oh, anywhere from 100, 150 years or so after David, the psalmist, the king and the prophet, the psalmist. And one of the responsibilities of godly prophets was to know the Word of God. They were to know the Scriptures. And they were to study the Scriptures. That is the mark of a true prophet is they know the Word of God. They don't stand up here and and look into a crystal ball. They tell you what God has said through His Word. In fact, Revelation says that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So Elisha was trained by one of the greats, Elijah. Elisha knew the word of God. Let's start reading in chapter 6 of 2 Kings in verse 8. And I I try and put myself in the situation. See yourself in these situations in the Bible. It is the best uh, movie you could ever watch. But but use your imagination when you read the scriptures. Put yourself there right next to Elisha. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel. Now, don't read it too fast. That's a big deal. War is a big deal, right? So that war brings chaos. It brings uh, trouble. It brings confusion. It brings lack. It brings fear. All of these things. So this is a a difficult time. And he uh, consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. So the king of Syria, Israel's enemy, is consulting with his team about their strategy for war. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, that's Elisha, he says, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Elisha knew what their enemies were going to do before they did it by the Spirit of God. That's revelation knowledge. Didn't Jesus say in, in John, uh, what is it, 6, 13, when the, Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will show you things you need to know about tomorrow. He will. I'll tell you, it's just, intimacy with God is priceless. Spend time with him. Hallelujah. He will show you things you need to know. So that's what's happening here. And verse 10, Then the king of Israel uh, sent someone to the place of which the man of God told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. In other words, his strategy was foiled. They didn't fall into his trap because the prophet told them what was going to happen before it happened. So the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing and he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he naturally assumes that someone on his team has betrayed him and is giving the secrets of Syria's military strategy to Israel. little side note, this has happened to Mary Francis on many occasions. As she's ministered around the world, she'd be in a different nation, and a military strategy would come out of her mouth. And they would send uh, uh, authorities from that nation and and escort her and say, you need to come with us. Very fascinating woman. And they say, how did you know that? And she said, by the Spirit of God. There are some that wanted to hire her as a prophet for their nation because she said things before they were going to happen that no one else knew. This is very real, the Bible. Hallelujah. So, the servants are saying, none, Lord. We're on your side, O king. But it's Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, who tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Nothing's hidden from God. You can't have a secret from God. Why would you want to do that anyway? He loves you, right? He knows the things you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that's Elisha, that I may send and get him. <laughs> and it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Wow. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, do you see this? Are you there with Elisha in his house? Right? And and there's this great army, not just a few guys, you know, with a switchblade. This is a great army of horses, chariots, and weapons from the king of Syria. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city. Are you seeing this? This is a troubling situation to someone who's natural-minded. With horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? He stressed. He would say, well, wouldn't you be? Well, it depends on what I'm thinking about. Am I going to let my circumstances speak to me? Or am I going to let what God said speak to me? Well, what did God say? Let's pause here in verse 15 and let's get some insight into Elisha's thinking. Let's look at Psalm 27, one of the psalms of David, which Elisha would have known well and been schooled in by Elijah. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, that's exactly what they were there for, they stumbled and fell. Though an host, that's another word for army, should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. That was written a long time before Elisha ever came into the earth, right? That was a psalm of David, maybe 100 years or so, that that Elisha, the prophet, had studied, been trained in, and meditated in. That's what enables you to fulfill your calling is meditating in the Word. Whether you're in the five-fold ministry or whether you're a businessman, whether you're a a teacher, a physician, whatever it is, meditating in the Word of God will enable you to fulfill your calling. So this is what's inside of Elisha, wasn't in his servant. Psalm 27 wasn't even his thinking. He's thinking, horses, chariots, our enemy, we're toast, we're done, it's over. Master, what are you going to do? We're, the armies come for us, and it, our time has come. What about Psalm 91? Let's read that one. Now, Jewish tradition subscribes this psalm to Moses. That's quite, quite a while before Elisha, right? The Septuagint translation attributes it to David. So we're not sure who the author is. But nevertheless, uh, let's read it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is what's inside of Elisha's heart. This is what he is thinking on. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Notice he says it out loud. I will say. This is not a silent thing. You've got to speak what you believe. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. Surely, love that word. Same in Isaiah 53. Surely by His stripes we are healed. No doubt about it. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Another translation says his faithful promises are your armor and protection. So why would this be true for Elisha? He was living a hundred some years after this was written or maybe longer, cuz God's word is always true. It never expires. It's the same yesterday, today and forever. It's just as much Psalm 91 is just as much for you today as it was for Elisha or Moses or David. It's for you today. You see, when you believe that, that opens your eyes right there. It like opens the door for revelation. When you think the Bible is some ancient book that is not relevant to you, you're just closing your eyes to it without realizing it. When you realize this was written for me today in 2022, so whatever field I am working in, whatever I'm called to do, I can prosper in it and be led with the wisdom of God in my perfection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He shall cover thee with his feather. Well, read that. Let's go on to uh, verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. doesn't say terror is not going to come. The army came to Elisha, but you'll not be afraid. Why? Because you know God's your shield. Right? There's terror in the world, but we're not afraid. Nor for the arrow that flies by day. Not afraid. Nor for the pestilence. That walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Do you believe that's true for you? It's true for you whether you believe it or not, but it's believing it's true for you that makes it real in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where did I end there? Verse 7. Verse 8. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made. This is a conscious decision you've made in the privacy of your own heart. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, the psalmist says, even the Most High, your habitation. Not your religious tradition. Though He's where you live. You fellowship with Him all throughout your day. You're living and abiding in what He said. This is a 24-hour consciousness. And when I catch my mind drifting into, into natural worry and discouragement, I, I, it's like there's an alarm inside of me because I've done it for so long. It just shifts me right back. Wait, 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 wait a minute. No, God said this, and God did that, and God has declared this. and, and it, 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 It's like this internal uh, security system. That when you get in the word, that will start happening. You'll build this fortress inside of yourself. That when worry and anxiety and fear and these things start coming at you, your alarm system goes off, and and you and, and this fortress rises up inside of you, and you keep your peace and you keep your victory. Hallelujah. There shall no evil befall you with an army. Surrounding you? There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague, sickness, disease come near your dwelling. Do you believe that's true for you? Well, it is true for you, but it's not until you believe it's true for you that you begin experiencing it. Very important to understand that. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, Remember this when we finish our verse with Elisha. He will give his angels charge over thee to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now let's go back to 2 Kings. So this is what's going on in Elisha. This is what he's been meditating in for years. This is what he's been acting on in his life and his ministry. So this is not a problem from him, that an an enemy army has surrounded his city ready to take him in. So his servant says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And I try to envision, you know, the moment. Man, that servant must have been freaking out, right? So Elisha answers him, and you know when someone's been with God, it's usually one of the first things out of their mouth, do not fear. You'll find so often it's one of the first things the Lord will say to you. Do not fear. Fears of the enemy. Fear gives the the enemy opportunities to access things in our lives if we continue in it for a prolonged period of time. Do not fear, Elisha said. For those who are with us, he shall give his angels charge concerning you. Those who are with us, are you seeing this? Are more than those who are with them. (laughs) You you imagine the the servant. I don't know how many people in their house, but it might have just been a few. Right. So the servant's got to be wondering about the sanity of his master, right? Elisha's been (laughs) sipping the old wine there, right? He's saying he's saying basically, you and me can take him. No, I don't think so, Elisha. Uh, You know, I I, my my kung fu is not that good. Elisha sees something that his servant doesn't see. How does he see it? He believes the word of God. He sees into the realm of the spirit something that his servant cannot see. It's just as real. It's just as present. His servant could see it if he believed the word of God. So Elisha is gracious and he says, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And that's one of the best prayers to pray for people. And you'll find that in Ephesians 1, to flood the eyes of our heart with the light of Christ, the understanding. Yes. Elisha says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. These are angels. And you just can't mess with angels. Angels, chariots of fire are all around Elisha. No one could get to him. And now his servant sees that. And I just try to imagine what that'd been like. Like, yeah, we got this. (laughs) Okay, Elisha, I got it. Let's get him, let's get him. You know, it just must have been a great moment. But it's a wonderful moment when you realize God is for you. When you see God the reality of His Word in your life. It's a wonderful moment when you trust Him and believe in what He's done for you. So this is one of, just a wonderful example of someone. Now, what, were they, what, was, what was God's provision for Elisha? What was Elisha's inheritance in this situation? Protection, right? He needed protection. And he knew the Word of God and chose to believe in the Word of God. And that enabled him to access and see God's protection in his life. Now, there might not be an army around your house. Probably not. But what's your need in your life right now or needs in your life right now? Whatever your need is, go to the Scriptures. Find at least two, I find three, scriptures that speak specifically to the need in your life and meditate on them and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes just like he did to Elisha's servant so that you can see God's provision for whatever your need is in your life. Okay? You got me? You with me? 2022, we're taking possession of God's provision, God's plan, God's purpose for our lives. How are we doing that? By believing His Word and acting on it. Amen. Father, thank you for this time in your Word. Lord, your, your, your presence changes everything. Your Word lifts us up out of this natural realm and brings us into the realm of the Spirit brings us into your kingdom where we see things that we could not see in any other way we see that you have commanded your angels guarding us that you are a fortress all around us that no evil will befall us that no plague will come near our dwelling we thank you Lord God that though a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at right hand it shall not come near us because we are living in your shelter We are in Christ. Our lives have been hidden with Christ in you. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are yours and you are ours. You have become our habitation. You have become our habitation. You have become our security. You have become our victory. So, Father, I pray for this Highway family, and and I know there are all kinds of different things that people may be facing today, but I also know that you're the answer to every one of them. Holy Spirit, I ask you to open our eyes, that we may see your provision for every challenge we are facing, that we may see your provision for every challenge that we're facing And rejoice knowing we've got it. We've got the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness. Who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.